Welcome to the Four Downs Fantasy Podcast. I'm Kilby O'Rourke. I'll be your host. With me as always, I've got Scott Smith and Andrew Scherer. A little preseason action going on tonight. I didn't really get to check in on it. Uh, I was watching some updates as much as I could. But Scott and Andrew, I'm pretty sure you guys were keeping an eye on it. Anything interesting that you were seeing tonight that you were able to take away? Scott, let's start with you. Yeah, I think everybody who watched that Arizona game against the Raiders, um, you know, we, we had a little bit of Twitter back and forth with some listeners earlier today, but Josh Jacobs looked good, man. Uh, he's decisive, quick cuts. I think he's going to be good. And to anybody that's doubting his usage in that offense, if you watch tonight, you can see he's going to get used. And then the flip side of that coin, I'll let Andrew hit on it, but there's a little bit of concern with what I saw in Arizona and particularly in Kyler Murray. And, and, and he's still going to have to be have a rookie year. Cliff Kingsbury still going to be a rookie head coach. And that offensive line, it was, it was leaking. It was, it was giving up some pressure. What do you think about that, Andrew? Yeah, you know, it's something I kind of detailed, um, you know, heading into the game tonight. I mean, not that it was a mystery or anything, but um, yeah, the offensive line is going to be something to watch. I think, you know, we talked about it on our running backs preview. You know, David Johnson really is the, the battering ram for that offense. And, you know, if the offensive line is crappy and DJ is having tr- issues running the football and, you know, they're getting pressure on Kyler Murray, I mean, you know, that's going to be a big concern. So I'm just, um, you know, super intrigued by it. Again, it's gets preseason game two so I mean you know how much stock do you really put into it but I think what you have to take away from tonight's game is Kyler's a rookie he's gonna go through some issues I mean the guy's brand new to the to the to the football landscape of the NFL I mean we saw two false starts from tonight with you know clapping his hands like you do in college for the ball and stuff and can't do that in the NFL so you know he laughed in the presser uh, after the game and you know I, th- I think he's He's going to get his mind right, but I think we got to look into what could potentially go wrong from a fantasy standpoint um, in Arizona. Yeah, one of the things we, we kind of touched on a little bit before we started the pod, and, and you brought it up, Andrew, Lamar Jackson looked really good. I mean, he, he's passing a ball better than what people give him credit for. The the run he had is, is a run that maybe only two other quarterbacks in this league could probably make. And he, he made it look easy. Look like he was just gliding. He almost had a little bit of Alvin Kamara in him on that run, kind of what I saw. But you brought up a good point and, and some other fantasy analysts out there as, as well. What have you seen out of Lamar Jackson or specifically out of Kyler Murray that would lead you to not want to possibly take Lamar Jackson over Kyler. Kyler's still a rookie. He's still going to have those growing pains. You saw some of that tonight. And I don't think you should overreact just off of this one preseason game. You still have the the dress rehearsal of the game. It's going to mean the most next week and third week of preseason. But specifically, I, I think we should be moving Lamar up a little bit. And, uh, hey, uh, I mean, he looks good as far as the development. And I don't understand why he's not getting quite as much hype as what Kyler is. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, you look at these quarterbacks in that range. I mean, kind of those those guys around 14 to to, to 20, and they're kind of all just jumbled together. And I, I think you're right, Scott. I think there's really not much that we've seen out of Kyler to say he should definitively um, be taken above Lamar Jackson. I, I think really the argument you can make, and it's a fair argument, is that if everything goes right for Kyler, um, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a better landscape from the um, – passing the football standpoint, I think someone like Kyler has the upside to to throw 25-plus passing touchdowns, right? Can Lamar Jackson throw 
25 plus touchdowns through the air. I don't know if that offense is going to support that. Um, but I mean, again, you know, we haven't really seen much out of Kyler to to want to say that Lamar should be below him. But look, uh, I'm going to have a lot of Lamar Jackson. I think in drafts right now, especially if you're drafting before the next preseason game, look, you're going to get Lamar as your second quarterback. You need to take all of that. Um, you know, I agree, Kyler's got the upside, but Lamar looks polished right now. He really threw the ball well last year, better than people really thought. So I like some Lamar Jackson. So keep on keep on paying attention to that. And uh, I'm going to have fun roasting the analysts this year when I can tell everybody, hey, I told you the guy was a quarterback. Yeah, one of the other things that I kind of wanted to hit on that I noticed that really bothered me in these preseason games. Kilby, I know you didn't get to watch a whole lot tonight, but the pass interference calls that that they're they're calling here in preseason i think is really going to change a lot of things that you're seeing in the game and i actually looked at it and i just think it's really going to get to be a point especially when you can review the pass interference call it's going to get to be a serious strategy when you're in and around that red zone i think a lot of teams and coaches are going to start throwing the ball more towards the red zone in hopes that they can get some of these pass interference calls, especially when they can go ahead and review it. And I think you can see a little bit of an uptick on some running back scores, especially plunging in easy, easy one yard runs after they get the pass interference in, in the red zone by the goal line. Kilby is, is this something that you think if you really think about it and look at it, I know you didn't get to see some of the interference calls tonight, but I mean, it was atrocious. Do you can you see this being an actual tactic developing amongst coaches and, and actually game planning, you know, for some of this and to change the play call in these areas? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's 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 what rules are about. You know, I guarantee you, a lot of these coaches through the offseason, knowing that these once these rules went through, were already just strategizing of how they could take advantage of it. And I can definitely see how this is going to impact a lot of what we're going to see, especially through the first quarter to the first half of the season. Uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be a, a trial and error type situation. I got a feeling at some point in time, they're going to have to make adjustments to this rule simply because it, it, it's, it's just going to impact the game way too much. For me, it's one of those I can see potentially it dragging out a lot of games, and I can also see it potentially uh, affect a, a lot of the scoring, I, whether it goes up or down. I think in the beginning it could it could potentially affect the scoring as far as like if you're betting the over or under at the beginning of the season, I would probably hit more on the under to start because I think it's going to affect a lot of of the game flow and what's going to happen here. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, I'm really frustrated. Like, I, I want to see this because of what happened with the Rams and the, and, and the Saints. Like, that was one of the most frustrating things I've ever seen in my life. But at the same time, there's got to be some sort of – they're going to have to figure out how this is actually going to work because it's, it's definitely going to change the game. Yeah, did you see any any of the takeaways and some of the the horrible pass? There was one in the Redskins game. Uh, they end up calling an offensive pass interference on, on Kelvin Harmon. It's one of the worst pass interference calls I've ever seen. So I, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, Andrew. Yeah, so, I mean, again, I'm kind of with Kilby. I mean, you, you, you want to see this stuff fixed, but 
you're kind of just like, okay, well, is this how it's going to get fixed? Um, <laughs> it's just kind of an interesting thing. I mean, the the officiating in the Redskins game looked atrocious, but I mean, I, I guess hey, it's preseason for them too. I don't know. I'm just I'm not really looking forward to seeing how this really unfolds. Um, I, I really don't care. I could really give a crap, honestly. I just I'm hoping that you know with changes, kind of we just get used to it and it becomes more fluid. But I mean. Whatever. I'm just, you know, I, I could care less. I just, I feel like there's an easy way to fix it, but I'm also not commissioner of the National Football League. I feel like instead of giving coaches all these rights to just throw the flag and stop the game, I think you should really just have a sky ref above everything who literally will stop the the, the freaking game to say, hey, we got to you know, run that back. But I guess, hey, I guess that would be less efficient maybe. I don't know. But, you know, it's it's preseason for a reason. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping... It'll all be uh, fixed come uh, week one. Let's go ahead and get into a little bit of news. We don't have a lot on uh, for news today. Uh, we're going to touch on Andrew Luck here. This is this is a big to do. He's out for the preseason. They're saying that he's dealing with a injury to his high left ankle. That's also due to the calf strain that he's dealing with. And they they have optimism, but there's no guarantee he's going to be starting week one. Andrew, how do you feel about this? I I feel really bad about it because, you know, I think before when we talked about it, it was kind of like, okay, well, it'll be all right. We'll wait till week three. You know, we'll see everything, whatever. And now it's straight up like, okay, well, he's got this this calf injury um, and we are not going to play him in the preseason. So then you're like, okay, well, that sucks. I mean, that that's worrisome. And then you hear that it's like turned into like a high ankle thing. It's it doesn't sound good. I think you have no choice but to move him down your rankings. I have him at five right now, and I think I'm going to move him down again. I mean, honestly, I mean, like, you know, if I'm drafting next week and it's between, like, it's a good value and it's between Luck and Baker, like, am I really going to not take Baker? Like, I mean, while it might not be a big deal come week one, it could be a big deal right now, right? I mean, I mean, you know, what do you guys have to think? What do you have to think about, Scott? Because, I mean... I'm willing to drop him really far. I mean, like, you know, why 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 should someone drafting next week take Andrew Luck above Baker, um, Cam, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, those guys? Yeah, I have to agree. We we did our quarterback show and we talked about how deep the quarterback class is. And there's no there's just no reason to go ahead and, and take a chance on on an injury. If it's an ankle, it's really going to sit there and affect the way he plants and steps in and throws the ball. So you're going to probably have some early accuracy issues. And if it's something worse than what we're even getting as far as what's being reported, you could really be taking a chance. So that being said, and where Andrew Luck's going, I'm probably not going to draft him because I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting a lot later. I told you in, in the show, and especially with the way Lamar Jackson's looking in this preseason, if I, if I can come out of a draft with Lamar Jackson and Kirk Cousins that late, I'm doing it. So as far as Andrew Luck, I, I would definitely throw up the caution tape and, and tell people to, to back off. And, and the position's just too deep to take that chance. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Uh, I dealt with the Andrew Luck situation in 2017 in one of my leagues, and I'm just not going anywhere near that situation. I, I learned my lesson in 2017. Well, this is our wide receiver show. We are actually breaking this show up into three parts after our four-hour epic running back show. So right now, we are going to start from our rankings uh, 75 through 64. 
At 75, we have Debo Samuel. Moving up, we have David Moore, Richard Higgins, Robert Foster, Antonio Callaway, Paris Campbell, Albert Wilson, A.J. Brown, Marquise Goodwin, Adam Humphreys. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Marquise Brown, Adam Humphreys, and Marquise Goodwin. Out of this group of guys, if you're taking a dart throw, which one are you taking, Scott? Yeah, for for me, this is a real easy question, and the name that I'm going to go ahead and get is Rashard Higgins. He's ascending up that that wide receiver depth chart over there in Cleveland. I want any piece of this Cleveland offense that I can get, but if you start looking at Rashard Higgins, there's some interesting metrics there to go ahead and and give you some hope as far as somebody is late. There's not not a lot of sexy names, but let, let me just give you some stats on Rashard Higgins. He was number two in production premium last year of all wide receivers. He ranked 12th with 2.19 yard, excuse me, he ranked 12th with 2.19 points fantasy points per target. He was number seven in yards per target. He was 12th with 1.67 yards of separation per target. He was 12th in air yards per reception, and he was fourth in air yards per target. You can go back and look at what he did in college. Coming out of Colorado State, he had a 43.6% college dominator rating. So what you look for in a breakout, essentially, is when you have past production in college, when you have the talent, when you have the efficiency, when that finally meets opportunity, that's when breakouts can happen. So I, I talked in a previous show, Antonio Callaway really interests me, but with his suspension and what's been going on with Rashard Higgins and how he's been showing out in preseason, he's probably the guy that of this this group of lackluster guys, especially if you're playing in a dynasty league. He is a stash, and he's somebody to go out there and get off of your waiver wire if you have a deep a deep roster. But but he's a guy that I really like, and I, just looking at some of the efficiency numbers, if he can maintain that and, and get – that third portion of, of targets there in Cleveland, I think he's going to have some value. And if one of the people, either Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham, Beckham's a little bit injured with the the hip pointer. It's nothing major, but if one of those guys were to go down, I, I think whoever ends up stealing that number three wide receiver role between Higgins and Callaway, I think they're going to have some real value on a week-to-week basis. Andrew, any of these guys that interest you right now? Yeah, I'm gonna have to piggyback on Scott's sentiment. Um, it's definitely it's it's Rashad Higgins. I mean, you know, especially with Callaway not being on the field um, to start the year because of that suspension. I mean, I'm just I just kind of want a piece of that offense, like Scott said. I think you see what uh, Higgins is building with Baker in the preseason. That week one, he looked good, and you know, we heard out of camp that they were kind of building a little bit of a, a kind of a little trust in each other. So. I'm excited about him. I think that's someone that you could, I think in this range, I think that's the the safest out of these guys. I think you look at someone like Marquise Goodwin. I don't know how the health is going to hold up. Adam Humphreys, he actually got banged up, and then he's in an offense that, you know, we don't know how much they're going to throw the ball. Marquise Brown is possibly going to get shown up by Miles Boykin. You know, Albert Wilson was is super interesting. I guess I think that's another guy who you can kind of key on because, Last year, he looked he looked pretty talented. He looked like a freak last year, and he got hurt. So I think he's a little interesting play. But, I mean, look, I mean, this deep, you might not be even drafting most of these guys. So uh, Rashad Higgins would probably be the, the guy that I would key in on the most. 
I'm highly interested in Paris Campbell here. I think the Indianapolis Colts have plenty of ways that they plan on uh, utilizing this guy. A lot of weapons in that offense. The you know Andrew Luck news isn't very helpful in this situation, but there's going to have to be someone like T.Y. Hilton's going to do well, but there's going to have to be someone else that's going to be taking some of that pressure off. It's a dart throw, something something to put out there. I'm just trying to mention a, a, a different guy. I'm also kind of interested in Robert Foster, but with all the other guys that they've brought in there, I'm just not sure. I mean, he had a connection with Josh Allen last year. If that bleeds into this season, that could be a thing to look at. But, yeah, this is definitely a group of guys where it's just – you're throwing a dart throw no matter no matter who you pick here. We are going to move on unless there's another guy you guys want to talk about. I mean, Rashard Higgins was definitely the hit there. Nope. All right. Next up, we've got Zay Jones, DK Metcalf, Traquan Smith, Inkill Harry, Emmanuel Sanders, Muhammad Sanu, Devontae Parker, Jamison Crowder, Miles Boykin, Tyrell Williams, and James Washington. This is a this is an interesting group of guys. There's there's a lot going on in here. Andrew, I'm going to start with you. Who out of this group are you the highest on? Yeah, so um this is a lot better of a range of people at least for us to talk about. I think there's a lot of interesting things that you can key in, key in on um in this range. The guy I have ranked the highest in this range and and I'm actually kind of pretty excited about it. I mean, just again, it depends on that offense. I think it's Tyrell Williams. I think, you know, you look last year and, you know, when the Chargers brought in um, Mike Williams, I almost felt like uh, Tyrell Williams was the great value brand of Mike Williams. Like I felt like they were the same wide receiver and they kind of just took away from each other. But you look at what Tyrell did last year. I mean, he only caught 40 balls, but caught about 700 yards. I mean, the guy averaged 16 yards of reception five touchdowns. I think, you know, going to Oakland where he can be that solid number two wide receiver for Derek Carr, I think it, it, there's a lot of upside there. Um, and when I say a lot of upside, again, I'm not meaning like top 20 or anything, but I mean, it's this is someone who could flirt with top 24 um, upside and, and, you know, he could be a flex option. So I really like Tyro Williams. I mean, you know, we saw him in year two um, out in Los Angeles, uh, you know, catch for over a thousand yards. So, I mean, this is someone who has done it before. You know, we saw him making beautiful catch tonight. I don't know if you guys saw that along the sidelines. I, I really like Tyro, Tyro Williams in, in this range. I think actually, um, you know, looking at these guys, I think him and Muhammad Sanu have the highest floors. I would be shocked if Tyrell does not give you some type of production at the wide receiver position. So, in this range, it's uh, Tyrell for me. Yeah, I'd have to actually echo it. And as far as the catch tonight, it, it was what he's known for, which is making contested catches down the field. 6'4", 200 pounds. Last year, he was seventh in contested catch rate. And, and like we said, we hit on it in 2016. He had 119 targets, 69 receptions, a little over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. So if things continue the way they have with Antonio Barber, I mean, excuse me, Antonio Brown, just up in the air, Tyrell Williams is going to be the defunct wide receiver one there in Oakland and, and get some work as it is. I would still expect him from a volume standpoint to have more valuable targets than some of the guys down here in this range. For me, I'm going to throw a guy out here and this could be controversial. It could be even laughable, but I'm going to throw in Devonte Parker here, former first round pick in uh, 2015 by the Miami dolphins. That Miami dolphins team is going to be a real 
dumpster fire this year. But here's the thing. Devontae Parker has the talent, and I've seen flashes of it. And what they have now, and it's looking that Fitzpatrick is actually going to be starting the season at quarterback for this team. Fitzpatrick has no problems throwing that ball down the field and allowing his receivers to go up for contested, contested catches. For, for, for me, I, I'm really interested to see if this guy can actually develop this particular season. Like At one point in time, there was talk that he could have been traded. Flores decided, no, I want this guy on the team. I want to give a chance. I, I want to see what we have here. And I'm really interested to see how this develops. Like I said, in this point in the area, I'm throwing out a dart throw. I'm just trying to find something that can stick. And I think this team's going to be throwing a lot. So I'm ready to see if Devontae Parker can finally step up and deliver on his draft status here. If you guys want to roast me on it, I'm going to open the floor to you. Either one of you. Yeah, for me, it just seems like it's become a, a preseason training camp tradition that Devontae Parker is making catches in, in, in camp. But when it comes down to it and the lights turn on, Devontae Parker's just been a bust. You know, you, he was taken back in the first round. And I think he can actually be replaced possibly this year by an undrafted rookie in Preston Williams who's been showing out in preseason. So it, it, at this point in time, you're looking at what? It's his fourth year. If he doesn't perform within the first two or three weeks, I understand it's a dart throw, but I think he's easily going to find himself on the bench and possibly even cut maybe by by midseason. And who knows? You got a guy like Laquan Treadwell who's just as much of a bust. You, you could end up seeing two teams swap busting and cut both of them. So I, I would definitely stay away. I understand the college production is there. The, the draft pedigree is there, but if you haven't showed out in, in four years, it's what's the point now? I'd rather take uh I'd rather take a chance on somebody like James Washington, who when you start looking at his situation there in Pittsburgh, I think he's got a lot more upside. You know, and I'd I'd be willing to take a chance on him rather than a dart throw there at uh <laughs> Devontae Parker. It's actually no. it's it's actually year not to cut you off, Kelby, it's actually year five for him, so it's a little bit worse. <laughs> I like look look I've been the Devontae Parker believer I feel like every year so like I've like I feel like we've seen these flashes from Parker where it's just like mesmerized me so I think I've drafted Parker every year since his rookie year so I'm not gonna rag you for it I, I feel like we've seen the um the upside from Parker I feel like we've seen like what the talent could be and it's just never unfolded so it's, it's one of the many great um disappointments uh, in fantasy. Yeah, I, I I understand what you guys are saying. And if I had a choice between Devontae Parker and James Washington, I would take James Washington all day long if he's sitting there. The the thing I was, was just hitting on is the fact that, you know, Ryan Tannehill has been there, and Ryan Tannehill has never been a downfield thrower. Like, he's just – he's more of that check down kind of – passer and now you got Fitzpatrick coming in and he's just gonna he's just gonna sling it he's he he's one of those I don't give a damn I'm gonna throw it who cares so I'm just interested to see how it is and if 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 he's floating out there I might take if he's my 15th pick I might throw it out there and take him so uh is there another guy in this group that you guys want to touch on I know the Miles Boykin is there and Scott you're a big Miles Boykin fan yeah, Miles Boykin's a, a guy who I've kind of been paying attention to through 
through preseason and training camp, and and he kind of came on the on the mark and into the spotlight with the combine that he put up. I mean, he is a physical specimen. You, you talk about Willie Sneed and and what's going on there in Baltimore. Willie Sneed actually compared him to Michael Thomas there in New Orleans. Boykin came from Notre Dame. His college production wasn't necessarily what you would like, but. Notre Dame had some offensive issues with the system. The quarterbacks were lackluster. So how much of that is on Boykin is is questionable. But I've been watching him in camp, and he's made some noise. I think he's, he's going to end up being a starter there. You're still waiting on Marquise Brown to, to get fully healthy to see what he's going to do. But Brown's going to be more of a field stretcher than anything. So I think Boykin's the the big guy that you can go ahead and put as a prototypical wide receiver one that's going to run a lot of the slant and do a lot of the dirty work and, and jump ball situations like that. So I think he's definitely a guy in this range that could get volume and, and move up the draft boards and, and outperform his ADP at this point. Let's talk about Inkill Harry real quick. This is a guy that's going to be picked up by a lot of people, mainly because he's sitting there in New England tied to Tom Brady. But a lot of reports have come out, and this has even gone back to his college days, is the fact that he has a lot of issues separating. And people are taking him pretty high. Andrew, uh, give us a little breakdown on what you think about Inkill Harry. I'm super worried about him. I mean, he was my number one ranked wide receiver coming out of – College, I kind of, you know, was really happy to see where he was going to land, and then he ended up in New England, and it was kind of like, you know, ugh, really, you know, I just, I'm a little worried about Harry. Uh, he actually sat out practice number four, I think, all days in a row today. Um, so a little worried about it from that angle, and then you got to look at it from the, from the, you know, from the side of how are the Patriots going to run that offense? I mean. Last year, I think they were third in the NFL in carries, you know, by running backs. And I, I think there's possibility that that goes up this year. Um, you know, you look at Julian Edelman, you look at James White, like it or not, those guys are possibly going to combine for 200 catches. I think that's like actually possible. So, you know, you just you see the history of Tom, you know, throwing the ball underneath a lot, not using his outside guys. I think um, Keel is going to be outside a lot. And then let's sprinkle in just for good measure. Let's sprinkle in the fact that Josh Gordon could possibly be reinstated, and then you have Philip Dorsett running around, who they expect to make the team. So, just not really super high on it. Um, you know, especially in redraft, I, I just, I really don't care. I see this ADP is, is in the 40s, and I just am shocked why. So, you know, we'll talk about him later, I guess, possibly, but just let everyone else overdraft him. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch him. Yeah, Harry's actually getting outplayed by Jacoby Myers and. Braxton Berrios has that that kind of slot receiver, that Wes Welker type type vibe that that they have. So he's an, actually another guy who's who's making noise and outperforming Harry there in camp. The thing with Harry is, I don't think you draft him at all. I think he's going to be a guy that ends up on a lot of waiver wires, and you start looking at it maybe at the end of say week eight, nine or or so, and and he starts performing. I think that's when he could possibly come on towards the end of the year, but he's not even on my draft radar for any of the leagues that I'm in. If if you're in a a dynasty league, you drafted him as a rookie. You talked about how high he was. I think there's a lot there with him, but I don't think you're going to see it this year. I think uh, the Patriots defending Super Bowl champs, Belichick's not going to play any games with either injuries or being slow to pick up the offense and 
Brady's going to continue to do what Brady does, and that's he's going to hit a lot of Edelman. He's going to hit a lot of James White. And who the next receiver to step up is is going to be a questionable. But, I mean, you've got Philip Dorsett who, who runs a lot of the deep routes. So, I mean, I just don't know where Harry's going to fit in right now in this offense, especially with him being slow to pick up the offense and having some injury woes. I just don't see Belichick having the patience. So definitely steer clear of that. So I'm going to move on unless you guys have anyone else you want to pick out and talk about. I want to say something really quick. In this range, um, two guys. Number one, Muhammad Sanu. All I'm going to say is the dude is one of the most consistent receivers in fantasy. He's not going to have any top 30 upside, but he's a good bye week replacement. I think in PPR, Muhammad Sanu is always someone you can pick up on waivers, draft in the last round, if you're in a bind, of course. But the guy I really just want to quickly talk about is Traquan Smith. Um, I think... That's someone you just keep an eye on. Um, you know, if you don't draft him, keep an eye on him. Uh, he might get drafted in some leagues, but I think I I do think uh, a wide receiver is going to emerge in New Orleans. I just don't know who it's going to be. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Ted Ginn. I don't know if it's going to be Traquan Smith. I don't know if it's going to be undrafted free agent Emmanuel Butler, who was making a lot of plays this week in San Diego in the joint or at Los Angeles in those joint practices. So Traquan, someone just to maybe keep an eye on. Last year he had. 430 catches i mean 400 that would have been awesome 430 <laughs> yards on 30 catches uh a couple touchdowns so i mean he he was efficient i mean he, he was tyro williams yards per reception range so just someone to keep an eye on maybe just uh you know n- you never know someone could expand in uh in new orleans there's always some receiver who pops up in new orleans so just keep an eye on it yeah, when it comes to Traquan, so far what I've heard is there's definitely been some inconsistencies within camp with him this season. But he did look great last year, and someone's going to eventually have to take over for Ted Ginn Jr. because Ted Ginn's just kind of getting to that point. Scott, anything you wanted to say about that? No, I mean, Traquan's had had his moments here in, in training camp down here in New Orleans, but it's for me it's just more uh, as to who is is in this Sean Payton's offense and attached to it. But I, I just think there's not going to be enough targets to go around. Uh, Traquan Smith would be more of a, a best ball play for me. And when you don't have to sit there and pick and choose when you're going to start them. So I, just for me, I, I'm not really hitting up on, on Traquan Smith unless it's a best ball league. So moving on at 53, we have Michael Gallup. Moving on up, we have Dante Moncrief, Devin Funches, Golden Tate, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Hamilton, John Brown, Kenny Stills, Anthony Miller. We'll stop there. Out of this group, Scott, who are you hitting on? One of the guys that we actually just talked about in the last group, I think you have to combine, and that's James Washington and Dante Moncrief. I think you have to talk about them together. Uh, one of them is going to end up breaking out and getting some targets and getting the volume that's left. You talk about Antonio Brown leaving. That leaves 225 vacated targets between him and some of the other guys that have left that roster from last year. Juju is going to get his and get it in the slot. So I think when it comes to Moncrief and it comes to to James Washington in particular, they're both going to end up playing on the outside and I'm going to take both of these guys. I'm a little bit more interested in James Washington because we've seen Dante Moncrief. He had his chance there in in Indianapolis. He he played a couple of years where you're sitting there dealing with with some Andrew Luck health issues. But specifically, James Washington, I think, is a guy that we we might want to look at moving up our our rankings. You know, he had a 33.3% dominator rating. 
he runs and he's performed on the deep end of the field. And I think that's where you're going to have a lot of vacated opportunity. I think uh, I want to say Graham Barfield might have tweeted out a, a tweet saying that Antonio Brown consisted of 41% of the, the deep target opportunity there in Pittsburgh. So when you start looking at James Washington, last year he was fifth in average target distance. So I think that role and that opportunity there is is definitely going to propel one of these guys higher up than what we have rank them. The problem is trying to figure out who it's going to be because in camp, the beat reporters are saying that it's Dante Moncrief. You look at the preseason game last week and you see James Washington making contested catches down the field. I would tend to bet a little bit on James Washington, but I think I'm going to hedge my bet and, and kind of spread both of these guys mixed into my lineups and, and my rosters deep in, in, in drafts and, and take a chance on one of them. It's really hard to find a breakout wide receiver this late in the game as far as where we have a lot of these guys ranked. But I think if you're going to go ahead and pick somebody, you're looking at the vacated targets that are there and the opportunity, and the opportunity is definitely there for one of these two guys to to make their mark. Andrew, who are you hitting on? Yeah, I like James Washington. I like that a lot. I think Scott said something at the end there that people really need to remember is that it's hard to find a breakout receiver this kind of late in drafts. And someone like James Washington is, is a good person to pick because, I mean, you know, the, the upside is going to be there. Um, in this range, I'm looking at two guys. Um, I'm interested in Golden Tate. I know he suspended the first four games, but I think it's someone who could, you know, quietly put up pretty solid production when he comes back. I mean, I think, you know, last year you look at Golden Tate and he gets traded and, you know, there's a kind of big concern. But look, you don't realize it, I guess, but the guy caught 74 balls last year. I mean, his yardage was down. He only caught, um, you know, 800 yards worth. But Golden Tate, someone who I'm intrigued with. Um, I guess the only problem is he's kind of the same receiver as Sterling Shepard, so that's kind of a cause for concern. Um, but in this range, um, the guy I'm high on, and you guys, I guess, are going to have to talk me out of it, is Kenny Stills. Um, he was not impressive at all last year. I think Kenny Stills was a pretty popular pick to be a breakout last year. I remember him going high in drafts. Um, we just didn't see it last year. Um, but I think, you know, you bring in Fitzpatrick, who, you know, like it or not, the guy's going to get a few starts. Um, you know, he's going to probably throw for a thousand yards in the first two games and then falter off from there. But I think, um, you know, someone like Fitzpatrick could really feed the ball all, all over the place, especially with the bad defense. So I think someone like Kenny Stills could benefit. Um, so I kind of like Kenny Stills in this range. I actually have him 38th, which is a lot higher than, uh, you have him Kilby at 53 and Scott's has him at 47. So, um, you know, do you guys just think uh, we've seen what we've seen out of Kenny Stills? Do we just kind of know what he is at this point? Me personally, I'm just looking at the team as a whole, and I'm just not sure what's going to happen there. I mean, you've got Albert Wilson, you've got Kenny Stills, you've got Devontae Parker, you've got Preston Williams coming on. Who knows when they're going to put him out there and just get let him just do what he's got to do because this particular season, that coaching staff is really just looking to see what they have in this team and how they're going to move forward in the future because they're all about the rebuild. So I, I can't get on board as far as being too high with Kenny Stills right now. So I don't know if Scott has anything different to say from that point. So I'll just hand it over to him. I think Kenny Stills is what he is at this point in time. I think he's a number two wide receiver on 
a team that's going to be playing from behind for a lot of the year. I don't think from an efficiency standpoint, there's going to be a lot there. Once again, we talk about guys that you might target in a best ball league. I think he's one of those type of guys. But the the thing that's interesting about him is that from 2016 to 2018, he's had nine, six, and six as far as the touchdowns go. So uh, 2017, he had 847 yards on 105 targets. I think you have to look at how much volume he's going to get. And I, I think if he can approach that 100 target range, if he can get between 110 and 115, he's got an opportunity to move up as far as being in that wide receiver three range. I wouldn't move him up anywhere closer than that. I think that's pretty much his his ceiling, but I think he can be a, a bi-week filler here and there, and I think that's kind of what you have to look at him as. Um, from there, I really don't think you can project him for any higher than that range. So a guy I'm looking at here that I'm really interested in is going to be Deshaun Jackson. He's back in Philly. He seems to be really excited to be there, quoting, we got some dope stuff going on here. What do we think about Deshaun Jackson? I, he's been a great receiver. He's had his shortcomings. But with Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar there, do we see a potential for Jackson to potentially put up numbers that could elevate him higher than his ADP? Scott, let me start with you. I think his ADP is about accurate. I think Deshaun Jackson going back to Philly does more for guys like Alshon Jeffrey and specifically Carson Wentz than it, it's really going to do for Deshaun Jackson as far as fantasy production. I think he's going to be in a better position within that Eagles offense than what he was with Tampa Bay last year. But he's still going to be hard hard to predict as to when he's going to have those big games where he goes off. He's one of the best deep threats in the game. As far as the NFL goes, he's historically been good at that. And as far as stretching the field, I just think it's a more of a benefit for Carson Wentz. Once again, it's another guy who's going to be highly volatile on a week-to-week basis and hard to predict as to when those, those big games are going to happen. So I try to stay away from those guys because I don't see a position where – he can kind of ascend to a high enough target volume to to really make a difference and get back to those glory years where he was the number one guy. He's getting up in age, and at this point in time, I just think he's a hell of a lot better version of what Ted Ginn is. So when you start looking at things like that, I, I just don't want to get into that business of predicting when those games are going to be. It's just going to be too hard and too much of a headache. Andrew, any thoughts? Scott hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's it's it, it's such a hard thing to do to predict the predict those big games. You know, especially in PPR. You know, where you can find guys off the waiver wire every week who might catch five passes for fifty yards. So it's really hard to predict that. Um, there's a lot of weapons down there. I think it's going to be just a lot of mouths to feed. And I'm just really not super intrigued by Deshaun at all. I'm, I'm probably going to move him down in my rankings just as we talk about it. I'm just kind of being reminded of how 47 is probably too high. So not not really interested in, in playing the prediction game week in and week out with Deshaun Jackson. So you're saying he's the best ball play at best? Yeah, for me, he's the be- best ball play at, all, at, at best. And I think if you want to take an arbitrage angle and if you really do like what Deshaun Jackson brings to the table, then you, you go ahead and, and go down the list and you, you draft John Brown over there in Buffalo who's, 
who's being drafted as a quarterback, I mean, excuse me, a wide receiver, 63. The quarterback out there, Josh Allen, has an affinity for throwing the ball deep. So if you like Deshaun Jackson, I think I would go ahead and take the arbitrage play of John Brown and get the same type of player who's probably going to warrant more targets over there in Buffalo. I like that take. I like that take a lot. Anything else? Any any of these other guys you want to touch on, guys? What happened, uh, and I'll, I'll throw this one to Scott, what happened to Deshaun Hamilton? You know, I feel like he was the early talk of uh, training camp as a big fantasy sleeper in PPR, and, you know, we're seeing him drop off, Scott. Do you think that's the uh, the emergence of Emmanuel Sanders being able to potentially play, the you know, start the season with the team, or what do you think's going on with that? Yeah, there's been some highlights there of Emmanuel Sanders running routes and doing some things there in, in camp, and he's saying that he's ready to play, but... Deshaun Hamilton's fantasy production and what he's going to do this season is directly tied to Emmanuel Sanders. If Emmanuel Sanders is truly healthy, it's going to go ahead and and put Deshaun Hamilton on the back burner and really be the third option. Him and Emmanuel Sanders have a very similar skill set. Sanders operates out of that slot. And I just think you have to question. For me, I'm not high on Sanders. I'm not betting on... Uh, a wide receiver who's approaching his age 32 season, which is typically when you start seeing the, the the cliff for wide receivers just to fall off. But specifically that injury with the Achilles, I, I just I don't see how he's going to recover and come back from that. You, you see it time and time again. That's an injury that kills careers. So while the hype is there for Emmanuel Sanders to play, and that's probably why Deshaun Hamilton's starting to to come down in, in ADP, I'm not betting on, on Sanders. And if Deshaun Hamilton's a, a guy in a dynasty league that you can go ahead and trade for and get cheap because people are still kind of hanging on to Sanders and, and worried about what he's going to do, I'd go ahead and make that move. But I, I think Hamilton could be a sneaky value late especially once you see sanders kind of fall down and just not have that burst and and that giddy up that you used to see out of them all right let's move on so after anthony miller we're going to hit at 44 we're just going to go ahead and hit the rest of the guys that we're going to talk about today we've got kiki cutie geronimo allison Cortland sutlin marvin jones curtis samuels sterling shepherd dante pettis larry fitzgerald Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Robbie Anderson. Out of this group, Andrew, who are you hitting on? Man, there's so many of these guys. This is the interesting part of our show, and this is the interesting... This is where things start getting interesting when you look at late wide receivers. So, um, you know, if we're looking at this group, kind of including um, Robbie Anderson in this, I... Man, they're so interesting. I think we have to start off with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think you look at what he did last year, um, incredibly talented in kind of those few games that he started. I know he kind of was battling some injuries last year, but you have to think, I mean, you know, he's not the same player as Randall Cobb, but you look at those those old Green Bay offenses, you know, Aaron Rodgers was supporting Jordy Nelson, you know, Randall Cobb. So, you know, you, you look at those days, and I think one of these receivers is going to step up. And I think Marquez Valdez-Scanling is the one who's got the early edge. I think, you know, he's he's been there less than Geronimo Allison, but at the same time, he's more talented. Uh, you know, I think you look at Allison, and he's been underwhelming in his three years there. I think this is his fourth year down in Green Bay. And you, know, you just look at Valdez-Scanling, the reports out of camper that he's quickly building a, a rapport with Rodgers. And I think you just... 
you're going to have to pick one of these wide receivers. I think whichever one is healthy, they're going to be the best fantasy option, obviously, because, you know, I mean, if they're – it's just so hard because I think when you look at the tape, you look at the metrics, Valdez Scanling is so much more talented than Geronimo Allison. But at the same time, if Scanling's hurt, Allison could be a top 24 receiver. So it's kind of confusing, but I'm going to place my bets on Valdez Scanling, and I think he is the one out of this group who's got the highest potential to to break out and finish, finish as a top 20 wide receiver. I'm going to jump in here real quick. But it's interesting you say that because we're going to go ahead and, and, and touch on Geronimo Allison at the same time. Now, he, he was injured pretty much the entire season last season. The first four games, though, are very interesting for me. Uh, the the target share here, he, he ended up with 8, 6, 4, and 11 through the first four games, and then the injuries kicked in. He was putting up 17, 12, 15, and 14 points a game. So Aaron Rodgers clearly trusts Geronimo Allison here, and he's going to be working out of the slot. So that's one of those things. I like what Marquez Valdez-Scantling is bringing, and yes, Aaron Rodgers has had a lot of praise for him this particular season as far as him stepping up his work ethic. But do you really see Scantling outperforming Geronimo Allison in this aspect? Do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to trust him more over— I mean, Devontae, Park, or Devontae Adams is definitely going to be his primary target, but do you see Scantling getting those targets over Geronimo Allison coming out of the slot? I don't see a reason why he wouldn't, um, just because, again, I think the talent level's there. I think you look at Geronimo Allison, he played a full year in 2017, and the guy had uh, like 20, 20 catches. I mean, I think you just look at, you look at Valdez Scantling last year, I mean, there, he had games where, let's see, I mean, if you, do the, if you look at the numbers right here, he had an 11-target game, he had a 9-target game at the end of the year, an 8-target game, two 7-target games. I mean, he was getting targeted. Now, again, Geronimo Allison was not there. But I think you just have to you have to look at it this way. Scantling was a rookie last year. I mean, the guy was brand new to the NFL, and there wasn't much talk about him. You know, I mean, he he came he he was a good metric guy. He came out of South Florida, fifth round draft pick. But you know, Allison played those first four games, and Scantling didn't really see much of a role. And then you see Allison go away, and you see Valdez Scantling burst onto the scene. So I think you just look at what he did last year. It was impressive. I mean, he had 200-yard games. He had a game where he was over 75 yards. So I think you just look at the small sample size of what he did, and I'm going to place my money on him. Now, that's not to say that I don't like Allison, but I just think it's going to be super hard for them both to kind of, you know, kind of work together because Devontae is going to get his. I mean, Devontae is really going to get his. I mean, Devontae is going to be their entire offense um, in the passing game. You know, I don't really trust Jimmy Graham down there. So I think you look at these two guys, I'm going to put my money on Valdez Scanling. I saw it on the field talent-wise last year, and I'm just, you know, worried about Allison staying healthy. And I look at his track record before last year, and I didn't see much I liked. So that, that's kind of where I go with that. Well, look, I, this is the only thing I'm going to say about that is, is the fact that, yeah, uh, Marquez Valdez uh, Scantling came on the scene and, and was doing really well, but then – out of nowhere, he—I I don't know if, it, if he either ran up uh, the wrong route or he just ran a bad route. But once that happened, Aaron Rodgers decided he wasn't going to throw to him anymore. Do you have any concerns in that area? What do you mean that that Geronimo Allison? Well, no. As far as uh, Marcus uh, Valdez Scantling, I mean, if he, one wrong oh, thing, and Aaron Rodgers decides he doesn't want to throw to him for the rest of the season. No, I mean I'm not worried about that. I mean that's—I uh, mean. 
no. I mean, I, mean, I just, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried about that at all. Um, you know, Scanling was a rookie last year, and I think, you know, if you could say that you are a rookie who were, who who was thrown into a role last year as a fifth rounder who came out and looked as impressive as he did, I mean, I don't see a reason why Aaron Rodgers won't trust him. I mean, again, you look at Toronto Allison and. You know, is what is he going to trust Allison because he's known him longer? I mean, Allison really hasn't done anything on the football field to um, to really prove himself to be a reliable wide receiver. Um, Scott, do you have any input on any of this? I actually tend to lean a little bit more towards Marquez Valdez Scantling than I do Allison. Allison was on a good pace last year up until he got hurt, but when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers gets comfortable with certain wide receivers. And I think it's very important to pay attention to beat riders and specifically some of the interviews and things that you hear coming out of Aaron Rodgers' mouth. The one wide receiver that he's been keyed on to and been most dialed in with and, and working with, and this is out of, out of Rodgers' mouth, has been Valdez Scantling. So I think when you start looking at things, he's six foot four, runs a four three seven. I think he much more fits that Jordy Nelson role than what Geronimo Allison does. I think Geronimo Allison will get more out of the slot than what Valdez Scantling does. But I think when you look at it, I want the guy that I'm going to be getting these downfield shots from. And I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is looking for. And specifically, I think Valdez Scantling is going to be a great pick because when you're in this range, you start looking at quarterbacks that that can support two top 24 wide receivers. And Aaron Rodgers has consistently done that. So between these two guys, if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to lean towards Scantling. But one of these two guys is going to be a, a top producer above what their ADP is by the end of the year. I'm just going to go ahead and bet on the six foot four, four three seven forty guy in, in Scantling than I am in Geronimo Allison. And that's not me. And I don't want to end up, you know, telling this to Kilby and everyone else listening. I'm not really shitting on Geronimo Allison. I, I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've done two drafts <laughs> this year, and I have Geronimo Allison on both teams. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're seeing him slip in drafts, and I think, like Scott just said, one of these guys is going to put up numbers. I mean, so, I, I mean, why not take a stab at either of them? I would just take Valdez Scantling first. But I, I think Geronimo, if he's healthy – um, if something happens with Scantling, I think Allison is, is going to be a, pro- a, a good producer at the wide receiver position. So definitely not crapping on either uh, on both of them or, or Allison uh, especially. But, um, you know, just, uh, I guess, pick your poison. Um, but I'm going to pick uh, Scantling first. So I'm going to take a look at Curtis Samuel here. He's been getting a lot of buzz here in training camp and in preseason. Apparently, Cam Newton has got his eye on him. The guy is just no one could cover him in camp. So I'm going to let you guys talk about him a little bit. Uh, Andrew, you're a lot higher on him than Scott or I, so I'm going to let you start. Yeah, it's probably because I give. I have a history of um, drafting players in Dynasty Leagues and then giving up on them really quickly. So that is probably <laughs> why. Um, but no, but in all seriousness, I mean, you know, coming out of college, it was – he was one of the more interesting players in, in that draft, uh, you know, two years ago. I think he was someone who, you know, you saw this deep threat role. You, you saw a receiver who, you know, could put the burners on. Um, he had decent hands. I mean, he was just an interesting prospect, but it just, it kind of never, you know, panned out. And actually, I say two years ago, it was three years ago. I mean, this is going to be his third year. And he did nothing his rookie year. You know, he, he caught for 500, 
500 yards last year. But so, you know, to hear that he's really expanding his role, it's super interesting. I mean, I was never a believer in Samuel, um, you know, after that first year. But, you know, like Scott mentioned, you know, you really have to pay attention to these B riders, not these national guys. But you really have to pay attention to the B riders who are, you know, at the training camps day in and day out. You know, I, I know beat riders in New Orleans. These, you know, they, they form relationships with these players and they really they know what's going on. So I think you look at the praise that Curtis Samuel is getting. I mean, they are they are just talking nonstop about Curtis Samuel. I, they're not even talking about Christian McCaffrey. You're just hearing Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel, Kurt, Curtis Samuel. So I'm just super intrigued by it. Um, I see the potential in it. I see if Cam's shoulder is healthy. I see Cam. Uh, the thing about Cam is I've always kind of been impressed with his ability to throw a deep ball uh you know like scott mentioned in the last podcast he was never a check down guy you know we were worried about McCaffrey's short routes and turned out fine but i think having curtis samuel someone who could you know turn the burners on and go deep um it's just interesting i think you saw that little tidbit of stuff he did last year and now he apparently improved so um i'm definitely interested in it uh Again, this is kind of more of a reason why I'm nervous about Chris McCaffrey a little bit because I think, you know, you're starting to hear the possibility of weapons forming around Cam Newton in the passing game. Scott, what's your thoughts? Yeah, outside of Chris Godwin, Curtis Samuel's been the most hyped wide receiver throughout the the pre-draft and off-season process. Um, when it comes down to it, I think you have to look at what he's done and you're getting a lot of information that his route tree has developed and, you know, he's through the roof. Look, one of the things that happens in training camp is those deep touchdowns that you see that get broken, broken in these training camp practices and the joint practices, those are sexy eye-catching plays. And that's what kind of starts to build hype like this. Um, last year, he only had 14.4% target share there in Carolina. And Cam Newton... When he had the shoulder the shoulder injury, you saw him dumping the ball off to McCaffrey a lot more and, and taking more short into intermediate passes than what he normally does. Look, Cam's got an, an arm. Supposedly his deep ball is back. But I think what you're going to have to look for at Curtis Samuel is how high can that target share rise? From an efficiency standpoint, he was great. He was tied for 12th with 2.1 fantasy points per target. That's what you want to see. Now can that volume rise? I think... Curtis Samuel is going to be a great deep threat within this offense, but I'm leaning and banking a little bit more towards DJ Moore getting that, that short to intermediate mixed in with some of those deep routes and, and being more of a yak guy. But look, if the hype is what it is on Curtis Samuel, he's a great dart throw right here in, in this range. And what you're looking for is upside. And I think being a wide receiver three by the end of the year is well within his range of outcomes. And if the beat riders are right and the hype is what it's supposed to be, he can end up being a top 24 wide receiver. So I'm going to move on to the opposite of this spectrum and talk about Dante Pettis here, who has had the complete different side here. Like talk coming out of camp here is that he is not performing quite as well as they expect him to. Kyle Shanahan is like, I'm giving him every chance to compete, but he is not assured that number one, he's not, he's not assured as a starting spot. Now I believe he's going to be a starter, but Everything that I'm hearing right now is just—it's got me up, up in arms here. As far as will I take Dante Pettis, Scott? What, how do you feel about this situation right now in San Francisco? 
Look, somebody in San Francisco is full of shit. Either the beat writers and the people that are watching practices are full of shit or the coaching staff is full of shit when it comes down to it. And they're just trying to motivate Dante Pettis to to show out more. I talked about it before. I think Dante Pettis, he's not that alpha. He's more of a number two wide receiver that stretches the field. But he's performed very well as far as separation, yards per target, and, and, and that that realm. Um, I like the San Francisco Kyle Shanahan offense a lot. So if you're going to pick somebody from the wide receiver standpoint, Pettis is going to be the guy I think that you would go ahead and pick. Um, second year guy. So that that's usually when you start to see some of the breakout Debo Samuels there. I think he had a touchdown uh, last week or performed well last week in a preseason game. But I think Pettis is a guy that is going to round out and, and be in that wide receiver three range, right? Maybe outside kind of right where we have him ranked in this, this area, this talk that you have going around, and some of the things that you're reading on Twitter is probably going to depress his value over the next week or so unless he does something in one of these preseason games to to really change that. But I tend to think that this is a little bit more from the coaching staff just trying to motivate him to to pick up his game and, and compete a little bit more. I think they want to see a little bit more of those big plays there and in, in, in the practices and in the preseason. So we'll have to see over the next two weeks how he responds to the, to this coach's challenge, to, to what I think is a coach's challenge. Andrew, what do you think? Anything to say about that? I agree with Scott. Um, I did move him down, though. Um, I was kind of the high guy on Pettis before. Um, I think last week, um, you know, I had him around 26. I was expecting a breakout, but... Look, I think I, I think it could be a motivational tactic. I think, you know, you look at joint practices yesterday. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo targeted Pettis eight times in the short practice. I mean, he was the most targeted receiver by, by four targets. Um, George Kittle wasn't out there, so, you know, I'm not mentioning Kittle. Kittle is wide receiver one in, four in San Francisco. Let's get that, get that out of the way right now. But, um, you know, I like the upside there. I think, you know, what Scott is saying is right. I think, you know, we've seen beat writers mention – you know, the separation that Pettis gets is incredible. He's looked really good. We've seen the video of him bringing Richard Sherman basically to his knees, breaking his ankles on a route. He didn't catch the ball. But, I mean, you just you see the ability he has in his route running. And, look, I think, you know, you see the injury to Trent Taylor. I, th- I think Pettis has has the possibility of, of being a, a top 20 guy. You know, whether he gets it, he might not get it. But I think it's there. Um, you know, I think there was a beat reporter that mentioned that you know, his rumblings that he's heard is that Kyle Shanahan is just trying to light a fire under his ass. Um, you know, it's just kind of a motivational thing, like Scott said. So, you know, I really agree with much of what Scott said. Um, you know, I don't have much too, too much to add to it. I have him at 34. Um, you know, I want to throw this to you, Kilby, because, you know, you have him at 42. Um, and I'm just curious as to, um, you know, as to why. I mean, I see you have someone like, um, you know, Curtis Samuel above him. What has Curtis Samuel done in his career to to really show that he could be better than Pettis. I think at this point, I really like that Carolina Panthers offense a lot better than I like the San Francisco offense right now, just based on the fact that it seems like the roles are more set in stone versus San Francisco, where it's, you know, 
Jimmy Garoppolo went out early last season. He never really had an opportunity to really develop chemistry. And I just kind of see that wide receiver core just kind of up for grabs at this point in time as far as who's, I mean, outside of George Kittle, what are you really looking at? You've got Dante Pettis, you got Debo Samuels, you got Jalen Hurd, you've got Marquise Goodwin. It's it's just who's really going to step up and and be that guy that's going to stand out there outside of George Kittle. It's got to be somebody, but no one's really standing out for me. And then you've got Curtis Samuel, who's really just making waves. Cam Newton's looking for him. Yeah, you've got Christian McCaffrey there. You've got DJ Moore. It's it's It just seems like the roles in Carolina seem a little more defined than what's going on in San Francisco right now. So that's why I kind of want to see how things shake out. So preseason is going to tell a lot for me. That's fair. I mean, uh, you know, you just you also have to keep in mind that you have a you have a running back there who's going to demand the football. Um, so you know, I just I look at Pettis. I don't know, I don't want to make this a a Pettis Samuel thing because it's not. But I think you you, you just look at Pettis. They're going to have a an easy schedule against the pass. They're going to be a terrible defense. They have Kyle Shanahan. They have Garoppolo, and I feel like you know we could see Shanahan unload Garoppolo this year. And I just I really like the upside. He's dropping right now in 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 ADP, and I think you know if you're in a PPR league and you're watching Pettis drop, you know if you could get him as your fourth or fifth wide receiver, which you really can. Just do it. I think just pull it because of the upside, and I think at the worst, the worst case scenario with Pettis, assuming he's healthy, the guy's going to have a, a a decent floor or a decent yeah no a decent floor. That's right yeah a decent floor. So I, I think he could someone who could be a bi bi week replacement at worst. So I would I would pull the trigger on Pettis for that upside. Yeah, I mean the Trent Taylor injury definitely threw a little bit of a loop here because he was definitely the guy that was getting the most press coming out of that camp as far as what he was doing and how he was performing and now he's been injured and they're hoping to he'll be back by week one. I'm not so sure. So I'm looking at a guy like Jalen Hurd and we don't even have him ranked here and I don't expect him to be, but he's been a very physical player in camp and he's been finding the end zone quite a bit. So that's a guy like outside of our rankings that I'm kind of putting an eye on as far as how this season develops is if this guy can outperform and find himself on the field. I don't know if he'll outperform Dante Pettis, but I just I'm just noticing that there's a lot of physicality there and they they appreciate that and he could find himself out there and be a dart throw. Just putting that out there. Uh, the problem the problem with Dante Pettis is that his range of outcomes is somewhere between Philip Dorsett and Stefan Diggs. And I think when you look at last year in his game logs, you kind of have a little bit of concern because his three biggest games, you look at two of them were against Trey Flowers in Seattle when he had 129 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets. And then the other game against Trey Flowers where he had, you know, five for five and then 83 yards. And then the third game that he had 77 yards on seven targets and a touchdown was against Tampa Bay where his primary cover corner was Carlton Davis, a rookie. So those three games kind of concern me because he didn't really have a whole lot of production against uh, anybody else. Granted, they're running around with Nick Mullins and I was about not, to say Thank not you. who you would, you know, want to be out there with instead of Garoppolo. But Nick Mullins performed decently well within that offense for what could be expected out of him. And then you start looking at the fact that 
you know, Pettis was the number one wide receiver in the NFL last year as far as target separation with 2.38 yards of separation per target. So you have to figure out where that middle range lies as far as, like I said, the, the range of outcomes that he can have. And I think putting him right outside the, the top 36 receivers is going to be legitimate. I think that prices in some of his floor, and I think it prices in some of his upside to where you get your starters, and he's maybe that first wide receiver you have off the bench as your wide receiver four. So if if you're going for a more balanced roster, I, I think he has the upside you know, to, to go ahead and do some things within that Kyle Shanahan offense. It's just trying to figure out, is he going to be more Philip Dorsett or is he going to be more Stephon Diggs? So a lot of these other guys that we've got in here, outside of Larry Fitzgerald, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of interest in Marvin Jones. I don't have a lot of interest in Cortland Sutland. Kiki Cutie's interesting, but not really sure there. Is there any of these guys that you really want to touch on? I I personally am going to hijack this because I'm just intrigued by what Scott would have to say about this. Marvin Jones last three years, 11.5 fantasy points per game, 13 fantasy points per game, and 14 fantasy points per game. What is, like, what's going to happen? Like, what is there to say that Marvin Jones can't somehow force his way into top 30 wide receiver production like he's been doing? Scott. I think the big thing, and we, we talked about it with the, the tight end show that we did, is where is the volume going to come from within that offense. We didn't see it last year. You expect to see an uptick in, in rushing this year and carry on Johnson getting the ball more. And, and you have baby Tron on the other side. They add TJ Hawkinson. Are there going to be enough balls to go around? I, I think Marvin Jones is, is priced about where he needs to be for his past production. When he's on the field, he is a, a productive wide receiver. So it, it's just going to have to see how the Detroit offense clicks. I think you have to pay attention to to who they're targeting and where they're targeting You know these people. You look at last year, I mean, excuse me, 2017, 1,100 yards and, and nine touchdowns on 107 targets. So from 2015 to 2017, when he basically played full seasons, He's got 103 targets, 103 targets, 107. And then last year, whenever he was kind of injured and only played nine games, he, he put up 62 targets. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly you know what you get out of him. I, I think for me, I want a number two wide receiver that's going to be attached to a little bit more high-paced offense. Um, I just He's not a guy I'm going to come away from a lot of drafts with. Any rebuttal there, Andrew? No rebuttal. I just was curious about Scott's take because, you know, we, we all have Marvin Jones in the same range, but just, again, just somehow the guy finds his way into top 25 receiver production somehow every year, it seems like. So <laughs> just want to see his take on it. No, not, not really an exciting player at all, to be honest. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our wide receivers, 75 through 35. Now we're going to touch on a couple little interesting things here. We want to see, we've got uh, a list here. We're going to talk about in this range of overdrafted, underdrafted, and a receiver that could be a potential top 20 receiver. So let's start, let's start with underdrafted right now. A couple of guys that you got, you mentioned to me earlier is going to be John Brown and Tyrell Williams. 
Scott, let's start with you on these two guys, and if you have anyone else you want to throw in there, go for it. Well, I'll hit on John Brown. We talked about Deshaun Jackson earlier, and John Brown's a guy who produced when he was in Arizona. The issue that he ran into over the last couple of years is getting his health as far as the sickle cell trait under control, and I think they've dealt with that now with diet and a few medications. So now he goes to Buffalo, and... For me, he was brought in to be the number one wide receiver there in in Buffalo. I think his talent and what he does running the deep routes fits in well with Josh Allen. They brought in Cole Beasley. They, uh, you know, they have Zay Jones there. And then Robert Foster is kind of falling by the wayside there, not having the greatest camp in offseason from from what I understand the beat reporters there in, in Buffalo. But I think when you talk about fit, you talk about opportunity and getting the ball. I think he is a primary candidate to outperform his ADP and where he's being drafted. So for me, I think he's definitely being undervalued. I mean, wide receiver 63, pick 165. I mean, you're getting into the late part of your draft. That's very late to get somebody who's possibly going to be a wide receiver one in any offense. Yeah, I'm going to go back to kind of um, the guy I was kind of looking at before. It's kind of Kenny Stills. I just, again, I think he's being undrafted. I think you look at ADP 62. It's, again, I, I like to say it, it's basically free. I mean, you're getting this guy in the last round potentially in your normal 16-round drafts. And I just think, look, I, I've bought into the fact that Devontae Parker's there, but I'm not, I'm not really confident he'll, you know, play eight games this year. You have Albert Wilson, you know, you have some other guys, but I just think Kenny Stills is really someone who you could say is going to play 16 games, potentially most of those with a quarterback who's going to sling it around. Um, You have Josh Rosen, who's kind of untapped potential. You have um, a really bad defense, so you're going to be, you're going to play in an offense that's going to have to throw the ball a lot. So I like Kenny Stills. Uh, I think I have him the highest at 38, which might be a little too high, but regardless, he's going ADP 62. So I think, you know, if you kind of take a step back and you look where Scott has him, Scott's got him, you know, kind of more, a little bit lower at 47. That's still 15 spots above his ADP. So uh, I like Kenny Stills. I think he's getting under uh, underdrafted a little bit. Yeah, well, what about Tyrell Williams here and all the drama that Antonio Brown is causing? I mean, at any moment in time, Antonio Brown could just be like, you know what, I'm not, I'm just, you know what, I'm going to stand on the sidelines. Anything you guys got to say about that? Well, for me, the great thing about Tyra Williams is that you've seen him do it before. He's had a, a season where he's performed as a, as a top 24 wide receiver over a thousand yards. And, you know, he puts up touchdowns. He's great at contested catches. So for me, if you start looking at who's going to have the the most consistency with, with Carr out there in that Raiders offense, right now it's going to be Williams because he's been on a practice field and, and actually playing games. I th- I mean, Antonio Brown's got all like 30 minutes of talking to Carr right now. So I, I think you can go ahead and, and pencil Tyrell Williams in definitely as one of these guys that's getting underdrafted. So let's move over to overdrafted. Uh, a couple guys you mentioned here for me earlier was Ankil Harry and Emmanuel Sanders. Andrew, I'm going to let you start with this one. Yeah, I'm just, oh man, I'm just, both of those guys make me puke. Um, Emmanuel Sanders more so because I just, you know, we talked about Deshaun Hamilton. They share the same role. Um, and, you know, add in the fact that Sanders is older and he's coming off of the most difficult injury to really come back from in sports. So 
I'm just, I think people are looking at Emmanuel Sanders and they're going name value. He's got an ADP of around 45th right now. I have him ranked at 66. Scott's got him at 58. You got him at 56. So we're basically in the same range. I mean, that's just, it's just too high, guys. I just do not touch Emmanuel Sanders. We don't know what he's going to do. Uh, we don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Add in the fact that Joe Flacco's their quarterback and Flacco's had a tendency to to really rely on, you know, deeper routed receivers and guys who don't run across the middle of the football field. So I just I just don't have any interest in Emmanuel Sanders. I, I know you see the name value, but just walk away, guys. Walk away from that. Yeah, with a, an Achilles tear, that's in any sport that involves uh, fast movement, uh, you need a burst of speed. It, it definitely is one of those that affects that. But a lot of what we've been hearing is that Emmanuel Sanders has had that burst of speed. And we've also heard of uh, a little confrontation between he and Deshaun Hamilton in camp. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, Scott, in Kill Harry, you got any thoughts there? Yeah, I just think that that New England offense is going to operate the way you've seen it operate in the past, minus Gronk. Uh, I think there's too many other people that are familiar. I think Belichick likes things to operate a certain way, and Nikhil Harry's just not doing it right now. At wide receiver 48, pick 110, that's that's just too rich for, for my taste. And look, I've often said that the NFL.com runs the worst fantasy football platform that I've played on, and right now his ADP there is at wide receiver 37. That's, that's just crazy <laughs> to me. So... I would go ahead and, and avoid that at all possible. And look, if for some reason you're drafting on an NFL.com fantasy league, you better go ahead and, and, and fix those default rankings to make sure Nikhil Harris nowhere near wide receiver 37. Yeah, and considering the fact that the Patriots are notoriously bad at picking wide receivers, you got to kind of throw some red flags there, I would say. Uh, Andrew, you got any thoughts? I just I'm not trusting how that offense is going to run and you know if it's going to feed Harry I just we don't know if Harry's going to really get a lot of looks from Tom uh you know we know Tom doesn't throw to his outside receivers uh unless it's me, uh, Randy Moss um you know so I just I just I, I don't see it with Harry I just you know leave that for the birds so that'll do it for underdrafted and overdrafted. Now we're going to look within this range and see any particular players that we could potentially see being a top 20 wide receiver this season. I'm not going to mention the names we talked about earlier. I'm just going to throw it to you guys, and I'm going to let you pick who you want. And unfortunately for you, Andrew, I'm going to go with Scott first. Yeah, we hit on Marquez Valdez-Scantlin earlier, and I know, Kilby, you're a little bit more concerned with Geronimo Allison, but... I think when you look at who has the upside, you want to get somebody that's attached to one of these top-notch quarterbacks in a high-octane offense, and, and that's what you see Marquez Valdez-Scantlin. I think his targets are just going to be more valuable than some of the other guys in this range. You, you've got some guys that have done it before with Golden Tate, but he's suspended. You know, Dante Moncrief and, and James Washington are in a position with 225 vacated targets. So if one of those guys can get 125 targets, they definitely have the opportunity to do so as well. But if I'm picking somebody out of this group that we've named so far today, I'm going to go with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And it's because of the size and, and his speed and his connection that he's had within the offseason with Aaron Rodgers. I just think it's going to be a connection. And I, I think he's definitely a guy we can see in that wide receiver two range if things break right 
Yeah, if you're going to pick a, a wide receiver with that type of upside, you always want to connect them with a, a quarterback of that type of caliber like Aaron Rodgers. Andrew, since Marquez Valdez-Scantling was already taken, who's your guy? Uh, you know, we just talked about him. Um, probably Dante Pettis. Um, I, I know there's some concerns that we all have. Um, you know, I have some concerns too, but I mean, you know, it's not maybe not an elite quarterback, but I, I feel confident in saying that Kyle Shanahan is one of the more elite offensive-minded play callers in the NFL. I, I truly believe that. So I think, you know, if you're just betting on Pettis to be in this offense that's going to seem to throw the ball a lot, they're going to have a bad defense again. Uh, you know, Trent Taylor, how healthy can he can he really stay throughout the year? Um, you know, you saw Pettis last year running great routes. Um, you know, the quarterback rating when targeting Pettis, you know, the entire year was, you know, 126. I mean, just there was a lot of stuff to like as a rookie. Um, you know, we have to remember with all of these th- this negative negativity coming out of training camp about Pettis, just remember he was a rookie last year, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, and it's training camp right now. Like, it's it's goddamn training camp. The guy's played less than 16 games in an NFL uniform. So just keep that in mind. I, I just I like the potential there. If he is who we thought he could be, I mean, that's that could be a guy who could really be a top 20 receiver in PPR leagues. All right, guys, that's going to do it for our wide receiver show. Any last thoughts either of you want to throw out there before we end this thing? I have I have one, just um, kind of what Scott just said, just because it's fresh on our minds. Scott, actually, you know what? Let's save that. Scott, you go first, because I have a comment that's not really wide receiver related. Yeah, for me, we got into some boring names, let's face it. These aren't the sexiest names. We, we got into to basically the guys that are outside that wide receiver three range. And, and these are the dart throws that, that you're going to go ahead and, and, and take and, and hope that one of these break out and, and maybe get some, some action during the season. I think next week, or should I say our next show is going to be one of the most important ones because I think wide receiver is the most important position in fantasy and hitting on this next tier of wide receivers and seeing who could possibly be a breakout and get within that wide receiver 15 range and, and really crafting the strategy of your draft and how you're going to build your roster and in which rounds you can take these wide receivers that we're going to hit in on our, our top 35 wide receiver show. I think that's going to be the, what can help you make or break your fantasy season. So uh, I'm really pumped to get into our next show and hit on some of these guys. And uh, I'm interested to hear what Andrew's got to say. Yeah. So what I just wanted to point out is something that I thought of yesterday when I, or the other day on Tuesday when I was drafting on Yahoo and Scott just really sparked it in my, in my mind. I wanted to point out to people, you know, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, I'm sure you listen to multiple fantasy podcasts and that's fine. I do too. I mean, I listen, Another and you know another group of guys, but listen, when you're drafting on these websites, Scott mentioned and and Kill Harry and Kill Harry is ranked 36 on the NFL on the NFL fantasy you know site. Keep an eye on how these sites rank these players because if you're drafting with people, people are gonna follow that site whether you like it or not. So I look at I look at on Yahoo the other night, Nick Chubb, who we are high on. I might be the highest on Nick Chubb. He was ranked as you know the eighth overall player. And I love Chubb, but that's, that's a little too high. So keep an eye on when you're drafting online, especially if you're drafting with people you, you think you kind of cannot manipulate. That might be too mean of a word, but if you can kind of, you know, let the draft fall to how you want it, keep an eye on that because, 
you know, you see people drafting and they kind of just going to go off the rankings. They're going to go off of what they see. And if you have websites like NFL.com ranking Enkil Harry 36 and maybe they're ranking uh, Mar- Mar- uh, Valdez Scantling 52, I mean, keep an eye on that on that shit because that's how you win leagues. I mean, drafting is is important. I mean, it's not the whole thing, but look, any edge you can get. So pay close attention to those draft rooms you're in because people get manipulated by that crap. I love leagues where people follow the consensus rankings on a particular website. Just going to say it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, then you, I mean, you have to think like, you know, some guys might be drafting and they'll really, they'll really, they know who they want with their first three picks, but then you get to these middle rounds and, you know, like it or not, you know, we, we all have good friends who we play in leagues with and they admittedly might not care about fantasy football as much as we do. And that's fine. A lot of people love to play fantasy just to do it with friends and stuff. But you get to those middle rounds and they're, they're just, they're like, oh, Larry Fitzgerald, Hall of Famer. I'm going to take him 24th overall wide receiver. You know, shit like that because they don't know any better. And that's fine. Like, but just pay attention to it because I'm telling you, you know, you can, you can say, okay, well, I need a, I need a, a guy I think's a sleeper. But, you know, he's really far down in the rankings, so no one's going to take him right now. So I'm just going to wait on him. Like, you know, you just, you know, pay attention to that crap because it could help you win a league. I'm just going to tell this story real quick just because I remember the first year I ever played fantasy football. I had no idea what I was doing. And I went off just all the big names that I knew. And so the big joke the entire season was the fact that I had drafted the oldest oldest fantasy football team you could possibly draft so that was a learning point for me that was that was my first taste of fantasy football that was many 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 years ago but yeah i mean hey it happens you know especially when people are getting into it for the very first time scott any last words no i'm just i want to thank everybody who's been listening especially if you've been interacting with us on twitter continue to do so and uh Let's go ahead and get this money and, and make some people some some winners this year. Yeah, make sure to follow us at Four Downs uh, Four Downs Pod on Twitter, and that's gonna do it for our first part of the wide receiver show. This is gonna be a three parter. You guys have a good night. Take it easy. We out. <laughs> <laughs>